hello everybody it's another Thursday night and we're back it's Giselle and myself Sidoni and Ngum is running a bit late so she'll join us a bit later but we've also got the fabulous Marita here from Lighthouse Church in Dumfries and she looks absolutely beautiful go and watch the playback on YouTube (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to have you with us, Marita. Thank um, you for having me. Thank you no, for having me to share. It's a pleasure. Uh, Marita's here with us today. We, um, She's married to a pastor. So we're just going to be having a little conversation with her about what it's like to a, be married to a pastor and to be a newlywed. Because she's been married for just over a year now, you said, didn't you? Yay. Like, yeah, we'll be having a conversation with her. Just trying to. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. Um, oh, hello. Just trying to find out a bit more about Marita. So, Marita, tell us a little bit about yourself before we start. Well, I'm Marita, and my husband is a church leader of Lighthouse Church in Dumfries. So, as you're saying, I'm new. We got married in February 2021, and it was during the height of the pandemic. So we only had five wedding guests due to the restrictions. And one of our wedding guests was our giant bunny. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> Albert. Um, what was that? I think it's Snake, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, oh. But yeah, we are, our church is the Pentecostal church. And mm-hmm. we've got a wonderful church family. Um, so yeah. Wow, okay. Well, that's good. So you are effectively the wife of a pastor. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm. I've always wanted to talk to one of you. So tell me. <laughs> always, I love that in America they call the pastor's wife the first lady. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I that. Well, that. I think even in, in African settings, they call like mummy, mummy geo. So the, the, the yeah. lead pastor, the geo, who's the general mm. overseer. And the wives are Mummy Geo, so Mummy General Overseer, which is quite interesting. But um, give us a little bit of an insight into your a your life as a pastor's wife. What do you feel your role is, and also what in reality what is your role? Because there's expectations, isn't there? I suppose you, you must live under the weight of expectations. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go back a little bit the first because I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, you wanted to be a pastor's wife? And they're always surprised. And it's, uh, I always felt a great peace about being a pastor's wife. Like it's a complete joy for me because uh, my backstory is for seven years, I was sadly domestically abused by my ex-partner and I was never allowed to go to church. Wow. So when I met Sandy and Love Blossomed, I was like, this is fantastic. This is exactly where God's placed me to be. Mm. Uh, And I love going to church. I love our church family, love worship, Mm. love praying together. And I do think in the pastoral wife role, uh, it works well because I experienced such the unloved for so many years. Mm. It just means I love everyone a little harder and a little Mm. more. Mm. So were were you a believer when you were in that relationship? Well, I had went to church all my life prior to meeting my ex-abuser and I knew about God, 
but it wasn't mm-hmm. until I met Sandy that I came to know God. Right. Okay. That's that's wonderful. That's really powerful. I mean, and you said for seven years. So how did you? Sorry to take you back there. Feel free. No, to no, not at all. Not at all. And um, how did you survive that? Because like you know, we have women in the group who mm-hmm. are going through um, abusive situations, and I think it'll just be such an encouragement just to mm-hmm. um, just give them some yes. kind of encouragement of how you dealt with it then, and and sort of looking forward how you were able to keep hope alive until you were able to get yourself out of that situation. Well, do you know, I look and reflect back and think about this today, actually, I was thinking, you know, uh, you know the Bible verse, he commands his angels concerning me. Mm. And I think about all the need attempts of being physically abused and, you know, hitting your head and what could have happened. And I do think, you know, God surrounds you with his love and protection, even when... I obviously felt during those years in some ways abandoned or that I'd abandoned God myself, mm-hmm. but he was, he was always there carrying me. Mm-hmm. That's a real encouragement, isn't it? So even when we abandon him, he's always there yes, for us. Amen. Waiting for us to back to him. That's a real sort of, that's a real encouragement there. And, yeah, and it took, sorry to interrupt you. And it was actually when I, uh, on the lead up to me leaving my partner, it was, I'd found my, he would trash all my stuff and I had hidden my Bible in amongst clothes, to sort wow. of disguise it. And it wasn't until I took it out and I thought, when I first met my ex, I was mm-hmm. trained to be a religious studies teacher, I was quite active in my faith, um, Bible was everything to me. Yeah. And here I was still secure, you know, it was secure, it was hidden, my faith was hidden and when I picked up that Bible and realized, you know, my true identity is a child of God, not to be yeah. a victim of the situation I'm in. Amen, amen. And is that what gave you the the courage to leave then? Well, that gave me courage, but then it was on the lead up to leaving, I was feeling, I developed like a horrid anxiety about being around men because I was so afraid. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually started overdosing my medications. He kept wow. telling me the only way I would escape this a situation with him was through day and I believed him because you know the enemy mm-hmm. sees your potential and you mm-hmm. just want it to grow and uh, and then a voice came to me and said you know this isn't the end this is the beginning of your journey and I thought this this is Jesus yes. and that was it from that moment on from then to leaving it was a small amount of time and I was determined to break free, to break free yeah, those well, chains. Yes. It, do you know something? In that moment, all the chains that held me, that kept me there, were just broken. It was just a huge release. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. At, at the time, uh, as I was leaving, I'd seen my current husband, Sandy, who's wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. He had posted on the professional network LinkedIn, mm-hmm. the broken hearted. Mm. that verse it just spoke into my heart and I'd contacted him and we started off as friends but I, I keep looking back now into at that point it was the broken mm. pieces of my life mm. to now where I am as we all are seated in heavenly places how God can transform the broken pieces of your life into a masterpiece it does isn't it I mean there's this um you mentioned that there's, I was watching a program and they're talking about this Japanese artwork where mm. they um use like they don't throw away broken vases they use them and they put them back together 
Um, but apparently, after they've put them back together, like yeah, and it, they use some kind of special glue. But apparently, they're then worth more than the original pieces. They so use they, they use nine carat gold. Oh, do they? There you yes, go. they do. Wow. They use nine carat gold. And as you say, Sadoni, the more broken pieces and the more valuable the vases or the ornament. Yeah. What do they do with the nine carat gold? Is it some kind of addition to the broken pieces to put them together? It's glue, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's the gold's melted and then it's used to and sort of like by uh, hold hold it together like glue or like like you know like they would do with uh the metal wow. on a stained glass window. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. it. Oh yeah, it's it's just lovely to see how God can put you back together. And you're mm. even more beautiful mm. and um, than you actually realised when you were in that relationship. Um, I mean, that's just such an encouragement for any woman that's going through what you've been through, just to hold um, and know that. Oh, I think my mic's missing. Yeah, and just know that God will, He is watching over you, um, mm. and He will. The, he, there is a way out. Just hold on there to it, and he will see you through. Um, but so let's fast forward a little bit. I know. Sorry, that's your man. Fast forward. <laughs> sorry. So we're saying about being pastor's wife. So yes. So I felt a great peace about being a pastor's wife, and our we have a small congregation of forty. And they're all incredibly loving. They really are. Um, and it was, I remember praying into it and thinking, you know, am I meant to be a pastor's wife? And uh, God showed me an image of Sandy's a shepherd, but me walking beside him with our flock around mm. us. Right. And I felt that was very special. Because Sandy oh, is his calling is, he's called as a shepherd. Mm -hmm. Did that help you? having that mental image of your position in the church and in and in his life as the pastor's wife did that help you do you think yes that it was a huge encouragement and uh, confirmation mm. i do did think god know, brought us together what being a pastor's wife would encompass i knew that there would be it would carry weight in the sense of expectations mm. i think that people possibly assumed but oh, that as soon as I was his wife, I would preach with him. Cassandra's obviously preacher, teacher, shepherd, but I need to spiritually mature before I'd be able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So I did think, feel that sort of pressure, but I minister in a different way. I tend to minister amongst our church family and mm -hmm. talk about their issues with them personally. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing for, for me, right? I, I, I have known a few pastor's wives in my time. Some of them are my friends. And we, we always get into very interesting conversations because I, like some of them, believe that if the husband's got the call and the wife ha hasn't necessarily had the call, then she should do whatever, fulfill her purpose in life. Her purpose might be to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. It might be to be a wife or a mum. It mm -hmm. might be to be a career woman. If she doesn't feel called by God mm -hmm. into ministry, 
she shouldn't be in ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, I do know some other pastors' wives who are my friends who completely disagree with me on that front. And they say, well, hang on a minute. When the two become one, if he's called, <laughs> you're called. Where he goes, you go. So, I mean, it's I, mean, I do think, yes, he's called. And I do support him in every way I can, emotionally, uh, decision-making. Uh, but he's also, because he's a very modern man, He's very supportive of me and supporting my ministry to women because I'm always advocating for uh, survivors of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. He's very supportive of that. Um, mm. But I do think I'll be called in time. I think I'll tell my story to the masses. I do think that that will come. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do you think? Because this is a very privileged, it is very controversial <laughs> question. <laughs> Actually, I mean. I've never thought I'd be having a conversation with a pastor's wife, so very lovely to meet you. It's and so you lovely say, to meet you too. Did you say you minister in Dumfries? Yes, uh, we're Dumfries. I've been to Dumfries once before. Oh, come back, come back. Yeah, absolutely love it. I mean, the whole thing with the pastor's wife, I think Sidonia and I have talked about this before, because in our own setting, right, where we come from, it, it, I mean, it probably isn't every pastor, but in a lot of African situations, you have, this is where the momiji oath thing comes from because right. the pastor and his wife tend to do ministry together. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, it's also somewhat cultural mm-hmm. because in those days, especially say our parents' generation, when a man was doing something, his wife tended to go with it, especially mm-hmm. if it was like a business, right? So you could have a career, you marry a man, he's doing a business, especially if he's doing well. You will go. So I think that kind of just piggyback of culture. But I think it's also, I like the way you do stuff with your husband because it seems clear to me that you kind of, you have your own ministry mm-hmm. based on your experience. I mean, a lot of, I've heard before that a lot of your ministry comes from your pain in your life, mm-hmm. from the things that you've been through. So it's almost, I think in some ways, what you went through was some kind of preparation for what you're going to be doing if you feel this strong pull to be able to help women at some point. So I like that even, I mean, obviously you're supporting your husband, but you're, you have your own space that you're carving. Mm. And for me, I think that is just a practical thing to do because I really struggle with the belief that, you know, a woman is created and, you know, she grows up to a certain age. Being this full being, you know, clearly intellectual, spiritual, whatever, having your own life and then you get married and then you're suddenly subsumed into everything that your husband is, it, it just, I mean, if just a very pragmatic thing, because how are you going to crush all of you for somebody else's dream? It just doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, it's fine. You can sort of get with it because I really believe that as a couple, even among friends, you influence each other, right? There's a symbiosis going on. So absolutely, like, support your husband. But I think if you have your, if you're not genuinely called into that, mm-hmm. some people probably are, right? The church yeah. that I go to, my, um, our main pastor and his wife are both in ministry. And it's interesting because they met, um, like, they were both doing, moving towards a pastoral mm-hmm. calling. And then mm-hmm. they met in Bible college. So it worked out very well for them because they were already in that space, right? So I think if, you, if you're both called like that, yes, absolutely. But if you're not called like that, mm-hmm. it can be hard, right? Or what if, if the, the wife is called to be a pastor and the husband isn't called to be a pastor? Would that expectation be there? You know? Is it not worth it? 
I've won the city of London or whatever. So, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm an ordained minister and my mm. husband is not called into ministry. Mm. We have one right before our eyes, you see. Yeah, <laughs> ser- seriously. And you, I've been in ministry longer than I've been married to Michael. Mm. And I was telling Marita at the start, you know, Michael, bless him, he knew that uh, the minute we got together, that God and the ministry and my cat came first. And Michael <laughs> yeah. came after that. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. And now, now he's like fifth down the list. But bless him, he's not called a ministry. He's mm. a Holy Spirit. He's born again, Holy Spirit filled believer, mm-hmm. but he's not called a ministry. Mm. I I think I've been given the boldness and the uh, the go get it for the two of us. And mm. he's just home. <laughs> <laughs> no, he supports me through prayer and everything. Mm. And since mm. I'm not allowed to drive any longer, he drives me about all over the place. So mm-hmm. yeah, he supports me, but he is mm-hmm. not called into ministry. Mm. Amazing. In fact, I've just remembered a funny thing. I remember a few years ago, and I absolutely don't know why. I wasn't even a believer. And I just imagined in my head, I was thinking, I was like, this weird idea came to my head that could you marry a pastor? And I remember literally laughing because this is when I wanted nothing to do with the church. And I had this crazy idea. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of equal opportunities. I could marry a pastor, but do you know what? I would just live my life when they have their church Thanksgiving or whatever year, I'll just show up. His congregation will probably hate me, but I won't care. <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? Like there is that <laughs> for women to um fill that space. There's, it feels very much like there is a space there for the first lady of the church. I mean, we were laughing about how they call it in America, but it is a thing in these mega churches, for example. Yeah. It's a thing, like the way they dress. The I mean, I think that's fabulous. I must admit, I love the first ladies in America. They're fabulous. <laughs> I love the hats. No, I, I kind of, I remember the first time hearing a pastor's wife being called first lady. It made me uncomfortable. I just didn't, I don't know. It's just not, I, I kind of, I'm okay with it now. I just kind of barely, I'm okay. But I, I, did, I just didn't like, the connotation for me was sort of political. I didn't like it. And, you know, I say this because you have some churches that are very branded and do that whole thing. So for me, I just kind of didn't really like that title. I still don't really like it, but hey, nobody's calling me a first lady, so it's okay. Yeah. But there's also an issue as well in terms of titles, you know, pastors, you all the different titles, what do they really mean as well? <laughs> and I do, I do, just because my husband's a pastor doesn't mean I'll become a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that I have a voice which needs to be heard and my ministry's, you know, different to his. But I do think there will be times as we go forward in the future, because this is just early days for us, and I'm sure spiritually where we will link together and I think we'll have a shared ministry. Mm. but I agree you're not I'm here to support and serve my husband but not be subservient to him Mm -hmm. but that's interesting isn't it because effectively what you're what you're saying there is that there are different types of ministry and you you, you don't necessarily have to be doing the same kind of ministry so he's doing his ministry of shepherding which is pastoral work 
Um, and you're doing your own ministry with helping women mm-hmm. um, that are going through or that have survived domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Now, that's quite interesting for, for women to understand that just because, you know, your pastor's mm-hmm. wife isn't on the pulpit every other, or once a month or however, mm-hmm. however many Sundays, you know, first ladies are allowed to preach. Just because your pastor's wife isn't on the pulpit doesn't mean she doesn't have a ministry doesn't mean have a, a calling because I think it was a, a couple of weeks ago a bit three weeks ago we did a podcast didn't we it's now on the Spotify ladies about where is your ministry mm-hmm. because effectively we all have a ministry yeah um, and so I think we we maybe need to appreciate that a lot more that just because you know your pastor's wife isn't stood there um you know screaming praise the lord on a sunday morning or leading the praise praise and worship session every sunday doesn't mean that she doesn't have a ministry that she's been called into that that's quite an important um distinction to make there but i do think what you've touched on is very true as well a lot of the older couples i know that are both pastor and we call them pastor aces they have met at bible school or they started their journey together many many years ago I mean Sandy was previously married but sadly his uh, late wife passed eight years ago but they obviously became Christians at the same time Mm -hmm. so you know you grow spiritually together whereas I'm now newly into this so it's and everyone's you know God has a plan for all our lives and we're all so unique Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean we're going to have the same path Mm. so have you then and and feel free to not answer this if you don't want to but have you been have you met or been met with any sort of judgment for being a second wife in the church not your church specifically because I know sometimes you can go out to events Mm -hmm. you can go to conferences and perhaps people that knew him or knew his first wife and then he introduces you Mm -hmm. have you been met within the body of Christ because I suppose his church or your church will understand the nuances of, of your lives together. But within the, the wider body of, of, of Christ, have you been met with any kind of judgment or slights for being the second wife? It's an interesting one because in the body of the church, a, our church family congregation-wise has been so loving and so accepting and mm. genuinely they're so happy for us. Mm. Um, but I am aware some people outside of the church, you know, have passed judgment. And I think as well, because we've got quite a significant age gap, 24 years, right. that's also people find unusual. But for Sandy, before he met me, uh, you know, he loved his ministry, but his heart wasn't fully in it anymore. But then meeting me and obviously the Holy Spirit. The Bible does say he who finds a wife. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Isn't God interesting how God sees things very differently from human beings? Because you're telling me about a 24-year age gap between you guys, right? The natural human reaction, particularly. I mean, it would probably have been worse if you were older, to be fair, Rita. So it just shows you how God is like, he's really about what the two of you can do together. 
But mm. also, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this question. Do you find that, I mean, I don't know what the age gap was like between you and your former partner, but is there something, how can I put it, something more, I don't know if reassuring is the word, but is there something about somebody who is more mature, you know, doing life with somebody who is more mature compared to maybe somebody that would have been about your age or slightly older? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, I'm 28, but in my mind, I'm an 82-year-old woman. Mm. So <laughs> I think I always I always needed a more mature husband. Mm. I think I always preferred a mature man anyway, but because of the way society is, I could never vocalise that. Mm. Mm. But as people, he's very youthful in his spirit. But it's amazing. We're so similar as people. And it's mm. just, it was like pieces of a puzzle coming together when we met. Yeah. It's exactly. just amazing how God does that. It mm. really is. And I'm, I, and I'm going to put in here, and I'm going to get in Sandy's good side. I really mm. am. And he's, he's going to pay me £54,000 for this. This is where I get my money from. <laughs> Come on, then. Share, share the spoils when you get it. <laughs> he doesn't look like there's a 24 age gap. No, no. Now, I'm not sure how to take that, Giselle, if you're saying I look older. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he, he does he does not look that old. He really doesn't. Actually, I was going to say he doesn't look like there's a 24 age gap. It's more like a 64. No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> what, no. Sandy's 53 and I'm 29. I'm 30 oh, this year. Wow. Um, I never ever noticed the age gap. Honestly, no, no. it bewilders he, me. Yeah. He he really doesn't look that old. He doesn't. He, does, he, he, he doesn't. You could, I, I believe, and Sandy, I hope you listen to this and thank me for this. He will girl. listen to this, he will. Um, I think Sandy could get away with knocking 15 years of his age. I really don't. You'll oh, be wow. delighted with that, Giselle. Yeah, big time. Wow. Okay, um, ladies, I'll need to show you girls a picture after. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 154,000 pounds I'm getting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that God's keeping all the Christians looking young. You yeah, see, that's it. it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah, most definitely. And you see, where I'm coming from, I, I, I told these ladies that I, had, I was given a vision many years ago that somebody hands me a cheque for 54,000 pounds. So every time anybody says to me, how much do you owe you for that, Giselle? I say, 54,000 pounds. <laughs> That's it. Because one, one, one of these fine days, somebody's going to say, okay. It's going to happen. Believe in it, Giselle. It's going to happen. Yeah. I give you 54p symbolically. It will. I believe, I believe it's going to happen. But with inflation, it could go up to 154,000. Oh, that, I think that's just wishful thinking there. Yeah. So, uh, so, no, seriously, Sandy does not look uh, to be in his fifties. No. He he really doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. wonderful how you both sort of come together and forged yourself. And I do know it is sort of you know that like you say that that condemnation because when mm-hmm. we did our series on divorce and remarriage, we touched on this, didn't we, about the the attitude of the church. <laughs> well, yeah. I did think because I was previously married before. Um, but obviously I divorced my abuser and that brought me mm. freedom. And I did feel there is a judgment with divorce. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I think because of the situation, people were more understanding. Yes. Yeah. 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 
yeah and, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong we have said this before you know we don't encourage divorce for silly reasons yeah. um we've been quite clear on that um but I think when we did do our series you know abuse was certainly one of the grounds that we yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. said no if you're getting abused you physically emotionally, financially psychologically get out um and so you know, the, the sad part of the being an abuser is because of who, who I am as a person I had this belief that I could fix them and save them and oh, yeah so sad and I know other women all feel feel that too it's a belief you hold Mm, yeah. yeah so I mean that that's interesting and, and it's interesting how you left left that and God sort of pieced you two together yeah. um, you transformed probably both our lives mm-hmm. yeah gave you the opposite the complete opposite mm-hmm. of what you had before exactly and now you're you're doing life together but yeah. you know go to this newlywed phase of life mm. that you're going through your honeymoon period um, what the honeymoon's <laughs> over. <laughs> that didn't last. <laughs> How? What's it been like being newly wed? Um, well, this is very different for me because obviously, well, because of my previous marriage, mm. being newly wed was meant being beaten, which was dreadful. Whereas mm. new marriage, you know, would I say he's almost verging on a feminist, perhaps? He's mm. so supportive and encouraging and loving. Um, but it's all, there was a point, I do think, I was suddenly like, oh my goodness, uh, I, I've went into this role as pastor's wife. We suddenly have this obligation, constantly doing church events and talk of full-time work. And there mm. was a moment where I thought, oh, I'm feeling quite overwhelmed and kind of support people in between doing that as well. Because you know, yeah. I support women outside of the church as well. And I just thought, oh, I feel overwhelmed. But, you know, I took a day off. As I, I do believe in if you have too much going on, take a mental health day. I think mm. there's an expectation for pastor's wife to be at every single event, church service. And I yeah. don't think that's a realistic obligation. Oh, uh, yeah, and you need to think as well, when I was with my previous partner, I never went to church for seven years. So this mm-hmm. is me being phone, you know, back in, and I absolutely love it. I, it's a delight to go each week, but there are times you can feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And just to make you laugh, this will make you laugh. Wait, sorry. You know, people are looking out for you, and people will notice yeah. your absence. I suppose, like you know, in the congregation, I can slide in and slide out, and nobody would know whether I was there mm-hmm. or not. But you That's don't have thing. that. No. <laughs> no, it is noticed when I'm not there. But I'm saddened when I don't go. I've had a couple of uh, mental health days where I'm not weighing, and I actually uh, I miss going. I love going, getting refreshed in the Holy Spirit. I love, I'm a people person, so I love being amongst everyone, mm. and I love loving on people and being loved on. So, no, mm. I try not to miss any, but I do think that's a very outdated view that you must go to every single thing. Mm. it can be unrealistic when you're working full-time you've other things to do Mm. yeah so being married to a pastor does he like have to pray every night instead of doing other newlywed business (laughs) (laughs) i think i think i'm going to have to see a new comment on that eh? (laughs) i think that's eh? (laughs) 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 (la
I will say that he, he prays lots as do I and we have a healthy life. <laughs> That's what I will say. Nice to I like that. It's a stereotype, isn't there? Like some women think of getting married yeah. to a pastor and they they automatically think, oh my God, we're going to be prayer warriors 24 7. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that's. Sorry, go ahead, Marita. I don't know, it's um, okay. I think you pray when you feel the need to pray when something comes into your mind, you know. But I agree, it's not 24-7. That would be... Mm. No, but that's unfair. I mean, where in the Bible does it say all these things, right? Even we're talking about the whole, like, you as a pastor's wife having to, to, to do, like, people expecting you to do ministry with your husband. Where mm. in Acts of the Apostles do we see that? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have created church culture, you know, and sometimes we almost forget about the actual template mm-hmm. of church culture, which I'm not a big, I'm not a fan of church culture at all, if it's mm-hmm. not constructive. So I, because I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, where was Peter's wife in the Bible? You know, Paul was just like, forget marriage. I'm, I'm so busy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, he was honest. <laughs> like, where, where, where are the, the, the people here? I mean, even the, was it Phoebe or who was a deaconess? You're not mm-hmm. hearing much about her husband. He was probably coming to church with her, but you're just like, we have created these structures, right? As opposed to function at a particular time. Mm-hmm. And then now it's become this thing that people think it should be. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I think if as a pastoral couple, you support mm-hmm. each other and you're mm-hmm. really there for each other, and I think sometimes I can see why the pastor's wife may, may want to get involved more because I remember watching a story in America, which was quite tragic, where this pastor ended up dying. I think he either he died, was a drug overdose or something, but he was sad. And in that case, it was a mega church that was managed by a board. Mm-hmm. He had all these issues and his wife did not really have the ability to get in there and really help him because the board was just so involved and it was really, to be fair, they prior, to be honest, they prioritized church business over his welfare, if you mm-hmm. listen to the side of the story. So I think in some cases, wives may want to be involved to try and be there for their husbands and mm-hmm. advocate for them, because like you said, even on you, there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes pastors, there's also a lot of pressure. I mean, I hear stories of pastors going to look, you know, help people at 2 a.m. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think a pastor's wife sometimes, yeah, get in there and be involved. And, you know, you have to put your foot down on some things. People will probably not like you. Mm-hmm. But I think also just as a supportive partner. Mm-hmm. I think you, you do need to put boundaries in place. Yeah. Because I do think you're subject to critiques, even, you know, someone saying, you know, the music's too loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are, you're subject to various critiques. But yeah. though, not to say they aren't critiques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it's there because you are in the limelight, aren't you? You're there for everyone oh. to have a pop at. So they will. Yeah, because they can't get to him. So they'll yeah. say to me, because then I'll say it to him. So I'll take yeah. the disgruntlement. <laughs> That's what comes <laughs> off of it. <laughs> you hear it first <laughs> yeah no that's that's quite interesting i mean and, and just before we round up obviously um it would be great to hear from you as a pastor's wife what you think the order of marriage is um of the christian household and 
how it is ordered and how that works out for you in your life. So in the Bible, we're obviously told that Christ is the head um, and, and then there's the husband and there's the wife and the wife is to submit and the man is to love like Christ loves the church and all of mm-hmm. that. But it would be interesting to hear from you firsthand. Oh, no, I mean, I agree with that. We put God first in our marriage. It's always been that way in our mm-hmm. union. Everything that's what brought us together is always mm-hmm. God first. Mm-hmm. And I do think with family see we have a very equal marriage very mm. equal partnership to the extent we both take each other's names and um, everything we do is equal he's very very progressive mm. very very progressive pastor um yeah but it's a refreshing answer to hear from you because mm-hmm. I, I feel like, um, you know, at the end of the day, as a couple, you both know each other. You have to do what works for you both in terms of your personalities, in terms of your shared goals as a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, um, Sidonie and I and Giselle, we've talked about this, how historically women are always told what their responsibilities in a marriage are, right? Mm-hmm. But men are not told enough. So mm-hmm. men often just think that it's okay to just okay you're submit to me end of story but mm-hmm. you know that bible tells men to love their wives right uh-huh. As it tells Amen. men to dwell with their wives with understanding mm-hmm. how many men will be like i'm done with this woman she's too too much you know mm-hmm. you have to sit there and try to understand her mm-hmm. so i think when you really look at it I've, god has a balanced view of marriage Mm-hmm. So it's like, here yeah. are you as a husband, here are you this is as a wife. And you mentioned something about the two pieces of the puzzle coming together, mm-hmm. which is if a husband is doing his bit and a wife is doing his, her bit, it's really like that. Those mm-hmm. two pieces, they may manifest differently, but I think the principle is the same. It's love, mm-hmm. you know, regarding the next person as the image of God. So mm-hmm. it is really no surprise to me that you run your marriage like that. Even if you guys were a traditional couple, where mm. you were a stay-at-home wife and your husband was working, mm. it's still possible for that kind of respect and regard for each other to be in those type of marriages. Mm-hmm. And I think where people mix it up. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I know I'm often referred to as I'm not a normal pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but then I don't think Sandy's a traditional pastor either. No. Oh my God, yeah. I'm coming to the church and I come to them. You're please. welcome. Please come. Yeah. We'd love to have you. Please do. It's really lovely, guys. We should go up there. Please do. Increase. Over 10 years ago, it's probably changed a lot. No, it's probably I'm... not. <laughs> it's a <reason laughs> change. The people change, but the, the time does not. Yeah. Oh no, it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you, Marita. It's been um, a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so proud of what you've done and achieved. No, it's been absolutely refreshing just hearing your point of view and yeah. your experience, um, where you've come from and where the Lord's taken you to. And also mm-hmm. you looking forward to sort of seeing how you're going to progress and mature in the faith and, and the work that you you plan and hope on doing, mm-hmm. God giving you the grace. It's just been um, a, I think an encouragement to women mm-hmm. who are perhaps in that situation yeah, um, and really also for women that have maybe left that situation and mm-hmm. are looking forward to how maybe God can use their pain um, in the future or maybe 
looking for love they know that there is hope and there is hope exactly. that they probably will find their own sandy mm. might not be a pastor but they yeah. will find their own sandy and yeah. there is there is life and there's love so George, sandy said the blow up when he hears this when they find their own sandy he's not gonna be able to <laughs> take to the door honestly can i just before you go just off the back of what Sidoni said, because when you talked about getting remarried, the thing that came to my head is, wow, you know, some people are so traumatized by such an experience where they just shut everything down and they're just like, uh-uh, I'm never doing this again. What kind of, what gave you the courage to say, okay, I'm going to try this love thing again? You know, it was, so I left, uh, I flayed my partner in, it was the start of the pandemic, so that was March 2020. Mm. Yeah, and Sandy and I got married. Um, I met Sandy immediately after leaving, which I don't think there should be a. Cause I think there's judgment over that, but I think given the relationship I was in, so unkind, then to meet someone, and I do think people say, "Oh, you need time to heal," which is true. But the amazing thing with God is that it's all in His perfect timing that we met each other at the right time. And I think because of my faith as well, it was natural. I don't believe people should be alone. God wants man and woman to come together and have a blessed union. Uh, and it's interesting to say that because, you know, you would think given the situation I went through, I would, wouldn't want to get married again. No. But, yeah. you know, that's the amazing part of being a child of God and, you know, God bringing you to the person who I felt I was meant to be with mm. brought me to that place. Mm. Uh, it was just a joy. I, mm. I immediately did want to get married. Mm. Wow. It was never a... It's it strange. You've actually brought that to me. I hadn't actually thought about that before. It was never mm. a question. Yeah. Wow. That's the effect of God, I think, for the fact mm-hmm. that it was so natural to you. Yeah. years and years of therapy and mm-hmm. everything. And then they meet somebody and they're a bit reticent mm-hmm. and then they slow development into it but it's just so i think what you've told us here is really a testament of the healing power yes transformation and restoration that god can do in your life yeah Mm. big time when you let god be god it happened Mm. like that Mm. big time the the people that take months years uh uh, to get over things i believe they're fighting god they Mm. really are Um, i mean and it's not just the i don't i still struggle at times and I get trauma triggered and things. I mean, even yeah. recent, even recently, how interesting recently what happened was Sandy and I were having traveling speakers and we'd taken them out to a meal and I hadn't seen my ex-partner for two years. Oh. And we were sitting down at the meal. I went to the toilet, came back, and I suddenly went, Oh my goodness, my ex-abuser who I hadn't seen since I played was sitting adjacent to me on the next table. Wow. And he kept looking at me and I thought, oh, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do in the situation. And I thought, I need to, they said, oh, we can leave the meal. And I said, no, stay seated. I just need to go away, take a moment. And, you know, I got inside the car for a moment. I felt quite upset. So I was like, it was overwhelming. Think of everything he'd done and he kept staring at me. And then I prayed into it. You know what? God gave me the strength to go back in. And I felt victorious. I sat for the remaining few minutes of the meal. But it was the fact that I went back in. It, mm. was, it just shows the true power of God in your life. Amen. 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 Wow. Amen. 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 And just 
whilst you're saying that, I just thought of another question really quickly. Mm-hmm. Did you at any did you at any point or have you at any point blamed God for putting you in that relationship? Um because sometimes you know we speak of people saying God has abandoned me or, or God led me to this or because God's all powerful and all sovereign and you know mm-hmm. he could have avoided this. Do you do you at any point or have you at any point harbored those thoughts? Well, I did feel God abandoned me, but I think when you look back and realize, no, God was the one carrying me. That's the enemy. I mean, my ex-partner, I would say when he was speaking to me nastily, it almost sounded demonic. Mm. Um, I think it was the enemy in my life. I look at the contrast of all the potential I had, um, but my ex made me believe that I didn't like people, that I didn't want to be social, that I couldn't speak to people, that I was anxious. Uh, to the contrast, the moment I left, uh, I've always been a people person. Uh, I love people. I've been able to share my testimony with people, help other women. I do. I think it's very much so the enemy sees your potential and tries to keep you down. Crush it, yeah. My goodness. I look forward to your book. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> But we could do, come to We could do a trip of it and go and see Giselle. Yeah. I love Dumfries. I went to that castle when I came there last time. Oh, what one? Well, it was like a, a major castle in the center of Dumfries where some woman and her husband are buried. Uh, I took pictures. This was way, way back. I think it was oh. like a castle. I think it was a very wealthy couple who were so in love and they died and they were buried together or something. Oh gosh, that's very tragic. I am conscious that people are going to be listening to this on playback. So, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. So wonderful to speak to you. It's a real blessing. Yes. it's been an absolute blessing as well just sharing that testimony has been so powerful thank you thank you Giselle thank you. um it's so lovely to meet you all no it was lovely so have me back again what's it on the book tour yes yes when Negoma said about uh look forward to your book I was about to say, I look forward to having Rita back again to talk more about maybe abusive relationships. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very much yeah. so. And loads of other things as well. Yes. Yeah. Right. Giselle, if you pray us out and then we can say goodnight. No, I did it last week. Did you? Yeah. How so? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I don't you know something? I think since Marita's our guest, can we not have Marita prayers out? Go on, her. Yes, go for it, my dear. Yes. Father, thank you for bringing us together this evening. Mm. There are no coincidences, only God instances. Thank you, Father, for the beautiful people that have been blessed speaking amongst. We hope that tonight this testimony and these conversations help reach an audience who needs to hear them. We hope that for people who don't know you yet that this may be a conversation that impacts them and makes them desire to want to come to know you we just hope that your word and 
your presence and your Holy Spirit floods and enlightens their heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives. We don't give you thanks enough when we should. Thank you for everything. And it's been a pleasure tonight being with you girls. Uh, yeah, in Jesus' sweet, precious name, amen. 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 A pastor's wife. Very sad. Thank you, Pastor Mrs. <laughs> I'll All take right. Mrs. Pastor. Touch. Yes, Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Donna, don't forget about the online audience. Say goodbye to them. Good night, everybody. Good night, online audience. Good night, online audience. Bye. That is Facebook closed.